0: The S&P, the ISector stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Full Money, the podcast that is back with a
1: vengeance. I'm Scott Phillips and with me is the straw man himself, Andrew Page. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, mate. And welcome back. I've missed you over the last few weeks. And I have missed you, although hopefully our listeners haven't missed too much because, uh, mate, I've got to thank you again. We did a welter of pre-recording of podcasts before we left or before I left. So, uh, mate, thank you for all the work you put in. Hopefully our listeners have enjoyed the conversations during the break. A bit of a a bit of a different style, a bit of a different vibe. We kind of did some evergreen content that hopefully was interesting and useful. I'm going to assume some so and not ask anybody because you know what i say <laughs> refusal often offends uh, mates, uh but it is it is wonderful to be back did, did i miss anything did anything happen while i was away oh you
2: know a few things happened here and there sydney's had sort of something go down but yeah yeah you'll, so you'll catch nothing,
1: up nothing right okay good yeah good. uh mate um, it, it is it is wonderful to to be back i i'm i'm pretty pleased to be back in the chair and, and back chatting with you mate because it's one of the highlights of my week um i am curious though mate, it's been three weeks i can't remember what straw man again so, so Strawman straw is an
2: exclusive slash private investment club, so we're for people who prefer to manage their own money well rather than paying other people to do it poorly. Oh, I like that. That's you should write
1: that one down. That's a good it's one. It's not bad, is it? Yeah, very, like very that. good. Strawman.com, yeah. of course, is Andrew's baby. He is the founder. He is the managing director. He is also the chief cook and bottle washer. As I've said before, mm-hmm. uh, I am Motley Fool chief investment officer here in Australia. With those intros out of the way, mate, let's get into it. It's um well, look, you mentioned you mentioned something happened in Sydney. Of course, we know what that is. That is more lockdowns for Sydney, restrictions for greater Sydney, for New South Wales, I should say. And as we record this on Thursday morning, the fifteenth, news overnight that Victoria has now got caps on gatherings mm. and also mask mandates. Oh man, like it—it it doesn't feel like we're kind of sliding slowly back down that same slippery slope we were here kind of this time last year. It's just got that feeling about it, right? I'm—I'm I'm fortunate to be outside Greater Sydney. You're—you're you're in there, but it—it um, mm. it, it just it kind of feels like here we go again, doesn't it?
2: it does it, it's, it, it's a bit of a groundhog day I think we all probably got a little bit complacent we We had yeah. such a we, would, we like in Australia, I think we forget how fortunate we were That's we a good really point. did That's a good we point. really did dodge a bullet and you can yeah. you can argue as to how much was luck and how much was good policy and all the rest of it but yeah. You know, it's sort of like when it started to the first time round with COVID, it was scary. Like we didn't know what was what was what it was all about, how it would play out. And then I think after we humans are just very adaptable, and I think mm. we all sort of got used to it. And so when it started to pop up again, we probably weren't as <coughs> didn't take it as seriously as perhaps we should have. So anyway, it's a it's a yeah, horrible situation, and now. hopefully
1: hopefully we're out of it soon. We're gonna we're gonna leave the politics aside. I will I will ask you about the economics though, mate. It's um. Mm. Uh, I mean, look, for, for those who, who follow me, they know I do quite a bit of media stuff outside this podcast. And the last couple of days, the, the, the data has been pretty good. Um, mm. Business confidence, business conditions were down based on the most recent report, but from a record high. So you kind of think, well, you can't say record high forever almost by definition. We are work with an index, which is kind of plus or minus what it was last time. So, mm. you know, when, when everyone's, when the tide's all the way in, it only goes one way and it's still very positive unemployment is likely to come down today. We'll probably finish this podcast before it comes out, but likely to come down a bit. But it kind of, like, normally normally I'm pretty happy with those conversations, but it's almost Mm. everything's got an asterisk against it, right? Because all these numbers were done pre the lockdown, pre the re outbreak in in Sydney, a couple of cases in Queensland. As I said, uh, some removals from New South Wales. My apologies to our fellow Australians for that knucklehead behaviour. Allegedly, I probably should say, so I don't get sued. Um, Mm -hmm. The... Uh, uh, what's I mean? Do you do you have a sense of of, of what next for the economy? What next for investors? It, it is you're right. We've been through it once before. Uh, uh, do have we learned lessons? Is there anything we can take from last time? Is there anything we could or should do differently? How are you? How are you feeling about the economy and about the market as we kind of wait for that next shoe to drop? Yeah, it's a great question, isn't it? Um, I, I think that
2: if you were to sort of say, how does this play out? In the absence of any action from government, mm. you can you can paint a pretty negative picture. Um, but that's the unknown, though, because we saw just how I mean, when when you deliberately stop the economy as we did yeah. the first time round, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously that's going to be bad, but it actually no. wasn't that bad. Uh, because, because of all the stimulus and support and I mean exactly the right thing that needed to be done, frankly. So, Mm. so that's, that is the hard part for me. So when you take the the biggest state, the most popular state, the biggest contributor to the nation's economy and you shut that down for probably a month or maybe more, well, that's horrible, right? And then then there's there's the, there's the personal element to that. Mm. Lots of people who are going to be doing it super tough and et cetera, et cetera. But if there's a, I, I think it's reasonable to assume that you know they may be dragged kicking and screaming to to this, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but uh, you know with with enough sort of support there to keep people uh, going to keep businesses afloat, it it will. I, I'm more optimistic that we will emerge okay, out the other cool. the the other end of it. I like that. Um, Again, though, it always comes back. I know people are sick of me probably saying this, but I, I've never—I don't think I've ever made an investment predicated on what I feel as though the economy is going to do over the next year or so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I, I do tend to be more agnostic about it when it comes to that dimension. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that that we'll we'll see the, the feds and the state politicians do do what they need to do to keep people's head above mm. water. Mm. Not because it's the right thing to do, although it is the right thing to do, but also <laughs> because it's actually the, the the better thing to do for the economy.
1: And and um, yeah, fingers crossed. I think that's I think that's about the right summary, mate. I I I'm I would be interested. To see, so let, let me take it in order. At an economy level, I hope you're right. I do worry a little bit about the patchwork stimulus support. I listened to an interview with George Megalogenis, the um, the 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 journo and, and commentator, only yesterday, I think, or the day before. I listened to it, and he was reminding us that during the, the first lot of stimulus rollout in 2020, there was one small one, nothing changed. One slight bigger one, nothing changed. The third one was both massive and completely blanket, where job keeper, job seeker, it was basically the the shot in the arm that confidence needed and the way he tells the story and I, I gotta say I haven't gone back and redone the research but I, but I trust his work um, he basically look you know we, we didn't we kind of went that's not enough i are still scared the first time that's not enough I'm still scared the second time the third time was like oh thank god everything's gonna be okay yeah. and to some degree I think that's you know we I give the government heaps when they deserve it but I'll, I'll give my a massive massive um, you know congratulations a bouquet today because I've said before by the way um, that was really really necessary and really mm. instrumental when, when everyone felt like Oh, thank God, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be supported. I'm not going to lose my job. My business is going to go broke. I can actually, I can actually keep doing stuff and wait for that recovery to come. or we'll wait for the lockdown to end. I, I'm, I'm hoping that this current set of stimulus measures in New South Wales, in particular, not not versus other states, just because this is where they are. Um, I'm hoping it has the same impact. But I'm a little bit concerned. It's a bit patchworky. It's not really. There's no. There's no general sense. If you ask a dozen people on the street what's going on, I don't know if anyone would know specifically. <laughs> Um, maybe they know something's being done. Maybe that's enough. Maybe the, the echo or the halo from last time is enough, but fingers crossed. Um, so I hope, I hope like you, we bounce out quickly. As an investor, what I, what I will be fascinated in is thinking about, so there was a really interesting moves last year, share price wise. And while I don't mm. make investments predicated on these things necessarily, the movements can provide opportunities to either buy or sell depending on what's going on. And if you think yeah. back to August, September, October last year, the, the so-called COVID stocks went through the mm. roof. And mm. then November... Vaccine announced, COVID Stocks went through the floor. Mm-hmm. Um you ready for a drink? Kogan. Mm-hmm. Drink. <laughs> drink um, well, yeah, it, it fell it fell the third in five trading days. So did Zoom in the US. And so, wow. you know, there, there was some sense that the market, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised, right? It always overreacts. But I but I have to say to some degree, those opportunities either to buy or sell, may have been things that are worth looking at. And I am fascinated to watch how the market responds this time around to what might happen. Only in the sense that well as you say I don't make an investment based on them so I wouldn't be investing now based on what might happen in three months time I am kind of half I've got half an eye open right for the opportunities that may present themselves either to sell stuff that gets out of control expensive or potentially buy stuff that gets out of control cheap and I, I suppose I if there is a message for our listeners and, and for my own investing I am kind of looking at this and saying I have to remember or, or I'm going to remember to just keep, a, keep an eye on where the market might get a little which is what we should always do right but where the market yep. could get a little bit a little bit out of control, a little bit, a little bit you know, um, detached from reality, because that might just be the opportunity for many investors. And you've got to have a strong summit, because it will be when everyone else is mm-hmm. selling. So you got you got to jump in and, and hold your nerve. But I wouldn't be surprised if there are some opportunities in the next two or three months on that basis. It's an
2: excellent point. Um, one bit of nuance I'll add to that, though, is that don't think that just because something is lower than it was, that it's cheap. Yeah, that's a really good point too. Now that that sounds, I probably need to unpack that a little bit. But I mean, yep, so things yep, yep. as you say, things can get sort of stupidly expensive, and yep. if they drop ten percent, well, they they're probably still not great value either. That's true. So, that's true. so I've always felt that the the one of the classic mistakes that we all make um, mm-hmm. and it, it's one that new, new investors are really prone to is we we use words like expensive and cheap <laughs> based on where the yeah. share price has been and I, I really I really firmly yes, believe yes, that you yes. need to you need to pretend the share market doesn't exist and say well look as, a, as an independent observer mm-hmm, of this mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. company what do i think is a fair price like if i was a multi multi-trillionaire yep. and i was thinking of just buying this thing outright and yep. you know what and i was going to knock on the on the boardroom door and say hey guys i want to make you an offer <laughs> what would i offer yeah, yeah and i think i think once you then you frame it and then you just and then you just act opportunistically and you'll you'll that's to your point you'll get you'll get situations where mm. the market mm. does overreact and you'll think yeah. hey actually this is objectively
1: cheap um yeah. so that, yeah that's that's the only point that that, that i would make no, that, that's a really good point. I, I should have made that clear too because you know, I'm not someone who buys just because it's down 10% or sells because it's up 10% of course on the same basis. Um, plenty of businesses that subsequently, you know, Maya was never cheap enough no matter how far it fell. Um, right. Amazon arguably was never was never you know too expensive to buy at least over over the first 25 years of its history and so yep. I own Amazon shares for the record. Um, but you know, in, in that context, I think you're absolutely right. The, the movements don't matter but it, but it would be potentially the case that if you liked a company and all of a sudden its shares were cheaper, um, then you should like it more, and and that may be a reason to buy. so there is total like, yes. That.
2: yeah, can I just add that too just what I think sometimes too what you, you hear quote unquote experts and fund managers say this all the time. I'll say, like, oh, I love company x, y, and Z. um but I'm the, I wouldn't buy it You know i I need to see it drop five percent before I buy it. and it just I always feel like yeah. throwing something at the TV or something <laughs> like. If this is some wonderful company, and honestly, yeah. you're not that. None of us are that yeah. good. Yeah. yeah where exactly. the di- we can distinguish between a, a, a screaming bargain and mm-hmm. an overpriced, hyped mm-hmm. stock is five percent or ten yeah. percent. Like yeah. you know, crazy, you, you pick a great company, and yeah. y- you know, as long as you're not paying a stupid price, you'll, you'll probably do pretty, <laughs> pretty well at it. And yeah. if if ten percent, five percent is the difference between a great and a bad investment, you know,
1: mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. on, mate, that's that's just yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> no, no one, no one is is that good. Yeah. That's absolutely right. In fact, it, it's you know, to the point that uh, let, let me put some numbers around this. If if you think that a share at a dollar is expensive and ninety-five cents is cheap, then let me let me tell you, you're probably you're probably missing the point. As you say, no one can be that that close, um, right? Or, or, or make it. Let, let's bring it even down further. Right? Twenty cents is expensive, but nineteen cents is cheap. Right? Yes, That's, that's yes. the five percent we're talking about. It's like who who says yeah. I, I know so much about this company that yes. I would buy fill my boots at nineteen cents, but twenty cents? No, no, no. That's too expensive. I mean, yes. no, nah, that's right. So I will but, I will happily reinforce that point.
2: Now, when, to your original point, when you get these huge dislocations and yep. markets fall 30%, hello, now now we've got something that's probably a bit more material and meaningful, yep. and again, anchored and, and framed appropriately against a, a decent idea of value. Um, but yeah,
1: yeah. Let's let's
2: let's let's keep things in yeah. perspective, people. Yeah,
1: and it, it's also uh, I'll, I'll, I'll flog this hit horse one more time, and then you'll probably do it one more time, and then I'll probably do it one more time, and eventually <laughs> we'll move off the topic. But uh, and another yeah, thing, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> Let, let's let's look at Zoom, right? So I just pick an example. I don't I don't own. Um, you know, if it fell from 100 to 70, that doesn't even necessarily still make it worth buying, right? So the 30 yeah. percent, it's not that price, but it makes my life easier. If, yeah. You know, if, if if it's worth 30, as you said, don't buy it just because it falls from 100 to 70, right? Yeah. On yeah. the other hand, if you liked it at hundred, if you owned some at hundred, or you're going to buy some at hundred, and then you're given a thirty percent discount, the old the old, you know, buying steak or jeans at the supermarket or the or the shops, like mm. you know, if if it was worth that price, you're like you know what, I'm going to I'm going to buy some steak 20, 20 bucks a kilos I can buy, buy buy steak for whatever the price is, mm. I mm. should know. I was saying if it's like it's a fourteen dollars, like oh yeah, of course I will then. Yeah, you know, that, that yeah, yeah. Even, It's even more value. I think that's that's the key one here. So don't, as you said, don't buy or sell just because it's fallen. Um, and even if the falls are big, even if it's thirty you percent, know, I said, Meyer. Oh, AMP is a great example. Has fallen ninety eighty nine percent, I think, in ten or fifteen years. Right? At no 30. point, even through that period. And by the way, ninety percent's a lot, but that fell multiple versions of ten percent, yeah. then, then ten percent, then ten percent, then thirty percent, thirty percent, thirty percent, because always a you know a, a smaller number. That was yeah. never worth, never, never worth buying. And so, you know, we're not saying again to your point. E- even if they are big falls, don't necessarily buy it. But if you like it at a price then you should like it even more at a lower price if you're offered. And again, as I said, on the flip side, if if Zoom was worth 100 and it goes to 200 because people get excited about COVID stocks Mm. and you kind of go, well, I'm not going to pay 200 bucks for Zoom. That's crazy. Then again, Mm. a time to think about it and maybe sell. Yeah, Yep. well said. Mate, um, speaking of of sort of changes to things, it was interesting to me this week, you know, I'm a bit of a macro watcher and while it doesn't make all that much difference, some of these things I think uh, I said before do... Make an unusual amount of difference because we are in really strange times interest rates in particular we've never had rates so low and Mm. whether talking property or shares discount rates to use the jargon or just just valuations generally we know that lower rates should mean higher share prices. Higher rates should mean lower share prices. By the way, the algebra works. Um, mm-hmm. if, you don't, if you don't have a background in that, just trust us on this one. But um, mm-hmm. broadly, the idea is if you can get a higher return somewhere else, it makes the return from shares you know, less relatively attractive and, and therefore should reduce demand for those shares. That's the, that's the simplest way to explain it. Yep. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand this week decided to start winding back some of its stimulus measures. And I'm not sure it's the first central bank to do so. It may be. It's certainly the closest central bank to do so. In a situation where there are many, many differences between the New Zealand and Australian economy, but it's not all that different either. Mm. They're kind of saying the emergency's over. We're going to have to start to get back to normal at some point. Now, they're not raising rates yet. This is some Mm. of these bond buying stuff that the RBA is also doing. Just, you know, inflation in the US is a 13-year high Reserve Bank in New Zealand has started to wind back some stimulus. I don't want to get into the predicting the RBA game necessarily. Um, But as investors, again, think about the share prices that we should pay, the cost of debt for some of the companies that we own, for example. um, We'll talk about Sydney Airport in a minute. But it it is basically a a loan with an airport attached. Um, You know, when when the cost of servicing that debt moves at all, let alone meaningfully, it really changes the investment merits of some of these companies. So uh, while I don't... I, every fibre in my being says, who cares about interest rates? Don't worry, just invest in great companies. And that still remains true. It does feel like we're in slightly different territory than we were because of these outsized impacts that rate changes will have. Um, so I guess, first thing, do you agree with that? But secondly, if you do, I assume you do, or at least it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's somewhat important. The RBNZ stuff, I don't know, mate. It, it, it feels like we're being drawn inexorably to rate increases at some point. And maybe that's not news, but in a world where there's still plenty of people saying rates won't go up forever or don't worry about it. Mm. It feels like we should be at least a little bit mindful and maybe starting to factor that in.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think this has sort of been the the major theme, the major macro theme for a while now. Yeah. And we're starting to sort of see, as you say, the RBNZ, it's an interesting signal. So it's it's not new, but it is it is the the big thing that I think everyone has sort of got an eye on. Um, having said that, a lot of people talking about it but it doesn't seem to have really been factored in in any great way so um, I I don't know if you read Ross Gittins um, I do I love Ross He's great. He wrote a really good article about it, pretty, pretty much criticizing what we're doing right now, which which is procrastinating on or prognosticating yeah, on yeah. on on interest rates, and the you know the financial media and financial punditry love to sort of talk about it till till the end of days, and you know really um, uh, most forecasts sort of tend to be wrong, and even mm-hmm. when they're right, they're often way too early type thing, <laughs> and so I am I am I think I think he made a really good point with with all of that, so I don't. And I know you're not saying otherwise but it's not it's not something that I am I am is forcing any great yeah. change of behavior
1: for me so but you're right it's the thing, it's the thing me, to watch. I, 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 I love Ross Gittens. He's a is a mm. the man the man is a guru. Um, he's a legend. Mm. If you honestly listeners if you want to learn more about the economy and the way the machine works, Ross should be required reading. He literally I've I read him since high school and yeah, I've been doing this too. for a very long time. Now I have much less hair than I used to. You don't, but I do. Um and he still, I learned something, it reinforces a point, it opens my eyes to something. He's a really, really great writer, just literally mm. to, to read. So do that. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say I agree with all that, except I am reminded of Buffett's point. Um, do we have to drink for Buffett? Hopefully not, because it'll be, I'll get into the table, in the podcast. Um, of, of kind of this time last year, maybe it was, maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was 2019. Anyway, Buffett said famously, S- stocks are cheap if interest rates stay this low. Mm. Now the if mm. was important, and mm. frankly, he whiffed the COVID, you know, opportunity. They were buying nothing during March, April, May last year when sh- when shares were objectively, if not cheap, cheaper than they were, and cheaper than they are now. So there was mm. a chance to buy stuff a whole lot cheaper, and he missed it. Now I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna bag him for it. Buffett's way smarter, more capable than me, but he made, even he made that point. Mm. You know, if rates stay low, shares are cheap. It was that very clear point that rate, the, the rate matters, right? And so. Yeah. Maybe we can't prognosticate. Maybe we can't ever guess. But also, if, if if we're in a situation where let's let's be extreme, if rates are four percent in three years' time, mm. we are gonna that's going to impact on share prices. It's going to impact mm. on company balance sheets and P and Ls. And I'm I'm personally, I think I'm paying a lot more attention to debt levels that our companies have because the cost of that will meaningfully change. And yep. you don't have to go broke doing that, right? If the cost of your debt goes up by twenty five percent right and and debt is in so the airport's case you know probably uh, three quarters of their cost base i don't really know what it is that's going to hurt your profit in a really really material way so if your profit falls by 10 20 30 and it's a permanent change because rates stay high if you think you're paying 12 times earnings for a business you're probably paying 18 times earnings for the business and so it's kind of you know i i i, I want to not care i said every fiber of my being says i've learned from you know from a from an investing toddler not to care about interest rates but i I, I, I don't know that doing so would be actually I, – I think, I, you know, it's the old – you've used the line before, you know, the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do, sir? I mm. kind of feel like this mm. is one of those situations where I need to at least have half an eye saying it matters, right? It matters for valuations. It matters for, for profitability. Mm. Um, frankly, if we've got businesses that have cash floats, then mm. it matters for them because they're going to make more money on that if it happens. Um, mm. I, I, I think it's a, it's a non-zero impact on, on the businesses themselves and on the valuations. right. And so, and
2: this is, this is, well, this is actually, I'd probably argue has cost me because when having an eye to that has meant that I have not bought businesses that I actually think are really great Mm -hmm. businesses, but, but because of their valuations and their evaluate it's your point your valuations probably make sense if interest rates are zero forever um, yeah. if but if they're not which is kind of my working mm-hmm. assumption mm-hmm. Um, then they're a little bit expensive which means I haven't bought right, which means that right, right. which, which means I've sat on <laughs> exactly, the sidelines yes. <laughs> exactly. while right. they go up and up and up That's and up right. so, I, so so to yep. your point they're like yep. am I is it is it is it something I am aware of? Is it something that is is impacting my behaviour? Yes, it is. Is it something that's helped me so far? No. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but having said that, I, I'm I'm kind of comfortable with that. I, I can't I can't anticipate or or, or know what what the market is going to do and what yeah. valuation but I can sort of say well for me mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable paying prices on assumptions that I don't think are reasonable and that, that means that I go through a, a you know a period of underperformance I'm cool with that because I think as any any good investor should do you need to have a very keen eye on the downside as well yeah. so it's, yes, it's disappointing I mean I, you know it's always like oh if I picked last week's lotto numbers I'd have $60 million today it was like <laughs> yeah you, you, you right. did but it doesn't mean you should have bought $100,000 worth of lotto tickets. Someone
1: won. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, so you, you got to you've got to look at, at mm. the um the, the, that mm. case mm. as well. So. You know, it's like, I look at, uh, Prometicus is a great company. Yeah, I've still yeah. got a few shares. I, you know, I, I, when we did that episode on our best and worst buys, I was happy to sort of do a victory lab. That thing is almost 60 bucks a share, right? <laughs> right I'll put right, this right. in context. That is something like 100 times sales. It's a $6 Oof. billion dollar company, yeah, six, yeah, 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 with yeah, a B. Yeah, yeah. Last <laughs> last year, they'll, 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 grow, they'll grow probably, their top line will probably grow 10 or 20% this year. It's a great business. Um, but they made 50 million in sales last year. Now, yeah, yeah. That's oh um, my.
0: <laughs> Do you know, like, yeah.
2: wow! I, yeah, if you're yeah, yeah. not familiar with price to sales ratios, that that is way up. The, 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 the PE is That's like so a 200. Yeah. It, it, it's insane, and it's, it, so it does feel very hard to sort of say, "Well, no, I'm being sensible. I think at some point things will normalise, and that is going to have a you know, direct impact on the, the values of assets and yada 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 yada." Yeah. And yet, meanwhile, yeah. Bromatikus goes from 30 to 60 dollars, and you think, "Oh God, why?" And I thought it was I thought it was actually expensive back back then, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. This, right. this is the this is the tough thing about investing yeah. is that yeah. you can yeah. here's, here's, here it is you you can do. Um, this, this is this is only true in the short term um, mm-hmm. long term it's not which is which is why I'm a long-term investor yeah. but in the you can do the exact right thing and be punished for it yeah um, and you can do the exact wrong thing and be rewarded <laughs> yeah, for right. it <laughs> yeah and and so it's that's very hard, investing, right yeah isn't yeah. it yeah. that like you sort yeah. of you see to see some people out there and they're doing the stupidest of stupid things that nine times out of ten will lead to disaster and yet you know they're they're just they're making it right in terms of cash and you feel as though you're doing everything that's sensible prudent and and yeah, and yeah. conservative and you're just sort of being left behind for periods the good news is is that 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 always does wash out over time because there is a financial gravity yeah. that goes towards that's true. That's true. you know um, uh, what is what is sensible but yeah. I, I i make the i make the point because we can say all of these things but there there will be people listening that goes well yeah yeah but what about this and yeah. it's a really good point and it's it's why it's why i don't Trade or do short-term investing because <laughs> how do you how do you how do you account for this this yeah, kind of yeah, stuff which happens yeah, all right, the t- right. once once all of these sort of like weird things sort of pass there'll be some other weird mm-hmm. thing that's sort of dominating <laughs> this sh- the, so it's it's I just I just yeah. make the point it, it, it yeah, can be it yeah. can be frustrating can be frustrating
1: I think that's I think that's important I think that's important All right, mates. Um, so let's let's move on. I I, I think it's. It, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I know the answer, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold that as a uh, hold that as a, as a as a watch all. Let's go back to let's go back to COVID for a second. I have had quite a few people ask me in the last couple of days, probably yes, since I've been back. to so this week, um, the the inevitable question, maybe the inevitable expectation, or maybe not, we have talked about before, is should we be preparing for a spate of profit warnings? Mm. COVID lockdowns, spending, travel, tourism. Uh, it is going to dislocate things for a little bit of time. Mm. I, I'll, I'll go first in this one. I've said mm. to people, I'm not expecting profit warnings per se, but I am expecting a huge reduction in the number of, uh, uh, sorry, a huge increase in the number of companies who are withdrawing guidance altogether. So yep. rather than saying we were not going to meet that number, I'm expecting a whole lot of people who have to just come out and say, look, we gave you some guidance. It was done one, two, three, four, six months ago based on business as usual. You know what? We just don't know what's going on, and mm. with only Two weeks now until earnings season starts in earnest. Mm. It
0: does.
1: It, it's going to be a weird earnings season, right? Like, yes, the lockdowns are happening in the new financial year. So realistically, the profit warnings aren't going to be about last year or mostly about last year because the year kind of got ruled off before lockdown mm. started in any significant way. I don't think that they'd had started, but you know, um, mm. in a fifty-two week year, maybe a week of that's lockdown. Um, it, but right now, it, it does. It does feel like we're back in that uncertainty area, and that might actually impact share prices. Yeah, yeah. Um, I well, I'm, I'll take a leaf out of your book here because I,
2: I know that I know that you rail against the very notion of, of <laughs> I
1: hate them of, of <laughs> guidance.
2: started. started. <laughs> well, I think there's some truth to it. I think some companies um, uh, have very have a lot of visibility in what they're likely to earn over the next six to twelve months because they just have very stable stable businesses. Yep, yep. And it's probably not unreasonable for them to do it. At other times, it's actually really hard. Like, we, we often talk about the difficulty uh, as an analyst to sort of forecast what earnings mm-hmm. are going to be. But we, a, a lot of the time, we assume that the CEO and the people on the inside actually have a great, great idea of what it's going to be. <laughs> well, they don't, actually, For yeah, you know. And yeah. so, it's, it, it, they... they they can't predict. They they certainly <laughs> totally. know how the how they've got a lot more. They've got a lot a lot closer oh. to what the business is doing, etc. But they yeah. they can't predict interest rate moves. No. They don't know what the broader economy is going to do. They don't no, know that no, their no. competitors going to start coming out and irrationally pricing things. Or there's a million things that they they can't know. So and and that's why that is why you often do see people changing guidance all the time from the company itself and from analysts all because it's just it's just always it's a moving feast. Um, yeah, yeah. So to your initial question, should we prepare for? Profit warnings. I would say yes, even under normal, whatever normal is. I would <laughs> right, say yes right, right. under normal circumstances. But yeah, so, most most definitely, and um, it's a good reminder to always take it with a pinch of salt when when people do have guidance out there and more to look at the sort of the the qualitative aspects of that guidance what's that based on what are the what's the company broadly sort of thinking and not to get too anchored on on it on it specifically but Mm. yeah i i I think that's well that's what we saw last year right we saw a lot of a lot of companies come out and say actually we're not only we're attracting guidance and we're not going to issue it anymore because it's it's too hard and that was the exact exact right thing to do um and a lot of Brokers and analysts, in particular, sort of oh, that's terrible. I was like, well, no, it's the right thing to do. But also, your job as an investor is really to sort of look at the general trajectory of earnings over a multi-year period, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think we
1: will see it as uh, to, to your question. Yeah, um, I. Yeah, I think it's it, what what I so um, I own a company called ARB. Um, I had a nice profit update out yesterday. The market has great company in, isn't it? Great company. So, yeah, uh, I, I wish I, I had. I, don't know why. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to. You know, it's not about me. It's not about the business success or otherwise of that business. But I, I just the reason I was asking that question in part was because I noticed in their uh, ASX release yesterday afternoon they basically said things are way too uncertain to do tell you anything except what's going to happen in the short term. Mm-hmm. And it just one. It's one of those. And look, as you say, I'm going to I'm going to take thirty seconds to do a mini rant, um, because you know I, companies can't know what's happening next. Right? At best, they can mm-hmm. extrapolate. And so, so if you've got an order book, if you have a, if you're a business that's lucky enough to have twelve months worth of work contracted, of course you know how much you're going to do roughly, at least a minimum level. Right? Assuming those contracts don't get cancelled. And by the mm-hmm. way, they still could, so bear mm-hmm. that in mind. If you're Woolies, you can probably extrapolate grocery sales because if you sold 485,692 baked bean cans this year or this week, you're probably going to sell the same next week. So, you know, those things you can, you can reasonably say, you know, an extrapolation will give us X. But if you're relying on any discretion by your customers, whether they're business or consumer customers, you can't. It, it is, it's ludicrous. And then it actually creates those disincentives of, well, I told the market this number, now we've got to do it come hell or high water. No matter how much damage we do to the, to the long-term health of the business, I've got to get this number or the market's going to punish us. And it just it creates so many terrible, terrible, terrible incentives. Um, mm, so I hate mm. guidance with absolute passion. <laughs> um, there's actually people also wanting, wanting Australian companies to report quarterly Which is even worse. Can you imagine trying to hit a quarterly number? You double the the amount of time you spend navel gazing about a forecast and a number and a budget, and it just—it would be an absolute debacle. Up to me, I would literally make it yearly reporting, and I would—I'll say ban. I I say it with tongue in cheek. I I mentioned banning short selling once, mate, and I'm still trying to live it down. Um, Not (laughs) that—not that I I withdraw from it, but uh, but it it, it certainly. I certainly brought the haters out so I will say I would ban profit guidance but I, I don't actually mean ban it I think a sensible company would simply say we don't know you don't know let's be honest and, and not do it and if I was CEO of a company tomorrow which is not going to happen that's the first thing i do i say to the market guess what we're, we're stopping guidance I will give you updates regularly Kogan actually oh, Kogan drink do a, drink. a reasonably good job of that they give, they give like a, a monthly kind of update on what's going on I think that's mm. that's continuous disclosure that makes a whole lot of sense mm. um, but trying to do guidance out six to twelve months is just, just crazy
2: well it's not only yeah I agree with that and it's also it's a huge distraction for management so if you if you're a private company you don't have to worry about all of this <laughs> exactly. kind of stuff right because you just you're just getting it done and you're running yep. the business now if you ever speak to any CEO of a small cap large cap any cap kind of company out there mm, mm. Um, the amount of time the, the 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 number of hours in your day that you are spending on mm. trying to figure this out talking to investors and analysts and brokers it's a massive Massive distraction. So once yeah. you go from like half yearly to quarterly reporting, <laughs> quarterly, oh totally. Say, it just—it yeah. is uh, actually. I want, as a shareholder, as a part yeah. owner in this business, I want yeah, your—I right. want your focus yes. Yes. on yes. strategy, on yep. execution, on yep. operations. <laughs> I want you to drive earnings higher. <laughs> I don't want you to spend uh-huh. half of your week meeting up with some idiot from <laughs> Goldman Sachs. Or no offense, if you're from I Goldman Sachs, I'm going to Goldman Sachs anytime soon. <laughs> no, 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 it's never going to happen. <laughs> but but you know what I mean. You never. Yeah. You, it, it is it is a huge waste <laughs> of time. And so <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly.
1: That was Andrew Page, Um, (laughs) P-A-G-E. To Get myself out of that hole. Put you in it.
0: Value stocks. Markets. Stock market.
1: Index. Share market. This
0: is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
1: Mate, I've buried the lead, I think, for this podcast. Let's get to the big news, certainly the big share market news, the big share price news Mm. of this week and it is a sector we've talked about, I think, if not every second podcast and every first podcast, because we pretty much do it <laughs> most weeks. Um, buy now, pay later. Actually, uh-huh. I'll, I'll come back to that. I've got an analogy to draw, and I want to get your thoughts on that. But let's go to the news specifically first. Um, we know Afterpay, Zip, Sezzle. Uh, I can't remember them all. Listed. I think it's, it's a seven or eight. I think this on the ASX now. You know, all hard, to, to hard to keep come. Yeah. Um Anyway, there's millions of them. Um, they took a massive hit yesterday. So Wednesday on the market, uh, I'm pretty sure it was a Zip and Afterpay were down 10%. Cecil was down, mm. I think, 4%. No, it was down 10% as well. Hum was down 4%. Um, on the news, the dual bits of news, that Apple is, well, speaking of Goldman Sachs, as you were before, um, is apparently going talking to Goldman Sachs about allowing Apple wallet customers to do buy now, pay later. Mm. And PayPal yesterday launched in Australia its version of buy now, pay later. I look. I I have my I have my thoughts this was I'll share. I'll ask you for yours first. But I don't know if you could if you could have two scarier potential competitors in the payment space that Apple, uh, which has a, you know a, a remarkable uh, should we say fandom amongst its its users, yeah. um, and PayPal, which is just an absolute behemoth and continues to grow at stupidly fast rates, even what, 15 years after it was launched? How many years? Probably longer now. Um, mm, mm. Uh, man, uh, if, if you're saying to me, look, you're in a business and you're going to have businesses, you know, companies, competitors, the likes of Apple and PayPal start to compete in your category. Man, I'm not surprised share price fell 10% yesterday. Like that's, these are not nothing. But is it enough? Put your, put your um, oh, I will ask you to put your forecast hat on just for a laugh and, and I know you won't mm. do an actual forecast, but mm. look look forward for me and say, you've now got a category that's already remarkably saturated. After he's doing a spectacular job, by the way, and his zip of, of growing regardless of the saturation, mm. but you got two of the big boys of the of the business entering your category. Are you worried? Are you scared? If you're a shareholder, do you think twice? Is it all much to do about nothing? How do you think about this one?
2: Yeah, so it's a, it's an excellent question. Um, I have got to say, it's the most least surprising bit of news ever. Oh yeah, you know, like. <laughs> Oh wow! There's someone in, and credit to Afterpay inventing mm-hmm. this category. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, there's nothing that attracts competition like success um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a fair and open capitalist society. <laughs> so it's it's sort of like you know when when people see them making squillions, everyone gets right. in on a, yep. in on the act. So the fact that PayPal, Apple, uh, Commonwealth Bank, others are mm-hmm, all doing mm-hmm. it is, is is not surprising. Yeah. Um, uh, I actually posted a note to to straw man yesterday saying that like the competition is a fact of life for mm-hmm. almost every company. And those that don't have competition are highly regulated monopolies <laughs> anyway. Or, or there's
0: competition
1: coming, right? That's
0: the other or, thing. There's, or there's competition
2: that, that, that's coming. So yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. Sort of, to sort of point to the fact that there's competition out there is not a bear case that, that in and of itself holds any water. But having said that, you're now talking about two of the largest tech giants in the world these guys have very, very deep products. They have huge development resources, incredible reach, powerful brands, massive networks, and mm-hmm. here's the other thing: potentially happy to uh, accept much lower margins, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they can they can put put out a product that um, is mm-hmm. is just as good. Um, but is much cheaper to either the retailers or to uh, customers mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the other thing: these businesses also enjoy a much lower, what's called a cost of capital, mm-hmm. um, just by virtue of their size and stability and strength in that as well. So they they can take lower margins, not just because they're happy to take lower margins, although they probably mm-hmm. are, but also because they can still they can take lower they can have lower uh, prices, lower costs, and still remain profitable than, yeah, than other right. companies. Right, right. So so this is this is. I, I think it is a big deal I, I'm on the record as saying that mm. look Afterpay's done straw man wonderfully well we added it to our index at $5 back in 2018 it's been a 20 yeah. bagger for us it's been yeah, great right. um, but but it comes to this point again do I think I, I was on Oz in February saying I actually think it's It's a great company. I, I mm. think they've, they credit where it's due. but it is priced for perfection and then some. And when with PayPal, Apple, CBA, every other person getting in on the act, I don't think that we it is it is sensible to forecast unfettered, unbroken, um, unbridled growth for the next ten years. It's it's mm. it's not going to be that easy, and you need to sort of factor that in. So I think great company, yes. Is it expensive? Really, really expensive, particularly in light of of all of these new people entering the space. Now, this might be this might. One final point I'll make is is that maybe it wouldn't bother me too much if there were huge what you call switching costs, or right, I like yeah, to call yeah. a trapdoor moat. You know, it's very hard. <laughs> Yeah, For me, if, I, yeah, if I'm yeah, a business, yeah. anyone who's got a business out there has got all their books on zero. Mm-hmm. Zero could joke up the price 30% tomorrow, and you're not going to, you're going to kick and scream and complain, but you're not going to change because mm-hmm. it's just a pain in the yeah, ass to yeah. change. It's really difficult. If you're someone who just has to download a different app on your phone, or maybe you've already got the app on your phone in the case of Apple or PayPal and and you can put your payments through that there's no switching costs there yeah, yeah. um if you're a retailer and yep. you can say well yeah i offer afterpay but i also offer zip and i am also happy to accept paypal anything that's <laughs> going to increase my sales i will <laughs> i will enable and offer that to my customers so i i yeah. think that there's there's the fact that there isn't a very strong moat in terms of switching costs there um, means that, that, yeah, this is this is going to, I think, make a lot of people look at these valuations and think, mm, you know, and again, <laughs> I'll, I'll still say that I think Afterpay is a bigger, more profitable company in five years than it is today, no question. Interesting. Uh, do you pay yeah.
1: today's price? do you Are you no. a buyer
2: at today's price, right? No, because today's okay. price assumes a rate of growth that I don't think is reasonable, particularly in light okay. of these new entrants. So what do you do? Do you sell to put you on the spot? Um I don't own, but if I did, I would at the very least sell down a significant chunk.
1: On price or on the news or both, just to really kind of drill uh, on the on
2: on on well on price, but the price for me is always factored in that the likelihood of new entrants and big powerful okay. entrants okay. coming okay. in, coming into it. So yeah, it's just, I mean, this is, you'll, you jump onto straw, man. I've, I've got my valuation there. It's well below where the current price is and has been oh, for okay. a while, which has got to kept yeah. me away from, again, to the point we were making earlier, it's kept me away from, from a lot of uh, additional gains that in theory I could have made. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't, I'm not comfortable looking at a business and saying, yes, they will, they will continue to grow at these rates uh, mm-hmm. forever and a day without any hiccup along the way. I just, I, there's margin of safety are the three most important words in investing. Mm. And when you're looking at a lot of these companies, there is no margin of safety. It makes sense if everything goes exactly mm-hmm. their way. And I don't know if that's a sensible thing to assume.
1: I think what that's think? Really, I think it's a really good point. I, um, oh look, I completely agree. I, uh, look, I'm not, I'm not, so I'm not a bleeding-edge investor, right? And I've got to say, whenever we have these conversations, I, 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 you and I both are on AusBiz, the business channel from time to time, and we're asked to give our views on stocks. And I, and I generally, at least once during the each episode, say something to the effect of, it, it's, it's a portfolio question, not an individual stock question, right? So mm. am I sure that any stock is going to go up, you know, beat the market over the next 20 years? No, absolutely not. I have, I have views on which ones might. I know that I'll be wrong sometimes. And so overall, I'm trying to compile a portfolio that hopefully beats the market. And that's mm. that's the straw man idea. It's the idea of our services at Motley Fool. Um, that, that's kind of what we're doing, right? So to some degree... You know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a super high growth investor. I'm not looking for you know bleeding edge companies. And I've said for a while, Afterpay's market cap mate is a quarter of American Express. Yeah. And and not to say Afterpay can't put it. Yeah. Maybe Amex goes broke. Maybe Afterpay is bigger than Visa at some point. Um Maybe this is the new future. <coughs> but I but I really do I really do think that in that context. It's harder to comfortably, confidently buy a company that's a quarter of the size of Amex, given how super, super, super early in its journey it is, how many risks in terms of competition. Amex is a proven stayer. Seen off diners, seen off bank card here in Australia. Uh, and I'm not saying Amex is the best business out there. I think Visa and MasterCard are better, but they're also bigger. Um, the question is, you know, is, is Afterpay really worth a quarter of the value of Amex? Maybe. I, I, don't, mm. I, don't, I don't see. I don't think so. So to me, I completely agree with you. I think people are getting too carried away. It doesn't mean it can't do well. Just if you're asked to assign probabilities from the current price, I don't think it's probable that you get a, a stonking return from here over the long term. Now, as you say, maybe shares go anywhere, and then the short term they will go anywhere in the short term. Maybe it goes 200 before it goes to 50. Maybe it goes 50 before it goes to 200. Um, I'm not going to I'm not going to cry or take victory laps if it goes either way. But I, I would be a little bit concerned. I I, I think so. Uh, now let me talk to the other side of my mouth because what I've said a few times about this uh, this new buy now pay letter from both Apple and from Afterpay is. We know from history that just building a better mousetrap is not enough. Mm. You know, and the they will come does not happen. So mm. after... So let's talk, I own shares in PayPal, by the way. Um, again, I'm not... i mentioned a couple of companies I own, but we should for disclosure. Um, the PayPal product is, 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 is rationally, reasonably, logically a better product. It has no late fees for consumers. It has lower um, merchant fees for retailers who are using the product. If you're a consumer, you should say... I use PayPal because there's no chance of a late fee. Why wouldn't I? It costs me mm-hmm. no more, and mm-hmm. I might save on late fee. Where there's, there's no downside to using PayPal, and there's only upside mm-hmm. if you're a, if you're a retailer. You're saying, "Well, hang on, I don't want to pay afterpay's fees. I'll pay PayPal's lower fees. Thanks very much." Mm-hmm. So in both in both cases, this is a much better product. But <laughs> here's the big but: that's not enough. You know, mm-hmm. I've said before, Beta Beta Max was a better video format for, according to the experts than VHS. Mm-hmm. I'm dating myself here. Blu-ray and high-definition DVD fought the, the format wars as well. Mm. It, you know, life is littered with better, in air quotes, products that the experts prefer that would never got traction for a million different reasons. Mm. And and I think you know, it's one thing to say PayPal's is better. I assume Apple's, I don't know if it's going to be better or not, I assume it would be, um, than, than Afterpay's in terms of the cost for consumers and for retailers. Mm. But I'm not exactly convinced that consumers are prepared to say, you know, I'm going to throw my Afterpay account out, I'll use PayPal instead. Mm. Now, how likely is that if they don't get retailer support Customer support. and this is the problem. When you're when you're not the innovator, when you're the when you're the stalwart player trying to respond, it's really really hard to disrupt your own business model enough to make it work. PayPal disrupted Cash, it disrupted Visa back in the day, but mm. now it's the incumbent. How how much margin is it prepared to lose? How much money is it prepared to invest? How cool can it actually be? It was the cool kid. Afterpay is mm. now the cool kid, and don't mm. don't overlook that. This is this is millennial territory here, and they go Afterpay, love it, that's great. Why would I use PayPal? Well, it's better. Well, it might be, but I don't really want to. You know that. So for me, that's the that's the one thing. Second thing, or last thing I'll say about it is, I think the much, much, much bigger threat. It may never happen, but I think the the risk, if you like, for the for the much bigger threat is actually the potential, um, for what I think. If I was a bank today, I would offer buy now, pay later as a standard feature on a transaction account.
2: Hmm.
1: Because the cost mm. of debt is zero. The cost of cash mm. is zero, effectively, mm. right? Mm. If I'm CBA, I'm playing with Klarna. I've got a market share, uh, you know, share a client. Maybe I'll launch my own CBA, buy now, pay later. You know what I would do if I was CBA? And, and mm. there might be reasons I wouldn't want to. I would literally say to our customers, if you sign up for the Commonwealth Bank pay later transaction account, you can, for $5 a month, whatever it is, every single expense mm. on this account, I will hold in, in effectively escrow and I will allocate that over four weeks or four fortnights or whatever they want to do mm. to your account. Yeah, I, I would literally turn your savings account into a buy now, pay later account.
0: Mm.
1: It just, it, it, there's, no, there's no reason not to do it. It'll keep your customers. It'll get customers from other banks because they'll rush to it. And guess mm. what? As we've said many, many times, about, I don't know the source of this quote, but there's a, a line. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't invent it. Maybe I did, in which case I'm a genius. But mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> when when your product becomes someone else's feature, mm. you're in trouble. That's no, not yours. Yeah. When the digital yeah. camera becomes... No, exactly. When the digital camera... You know, I've never been able to find it. Though. I've Googled it a dozen times to try and actually cite the quote. Yeah. I can't find it anywhere. I can't think um, who did it, but it's a great. It's great. Yeah. It's bang on the money. It's bang so on think the about money. It, the, yeah. the Walkman, the digital camera, the uh, compass, the... GPS. The, uh, GPS. These all became features of phones. Who, who, buys a, mm. who buys a TomTom or Navman Navigator? Who buys a digital camera? Who buys... A, and some of us do, of course. But, mm. you know, we all had digital cameras. We all had GPSs in our cars. We all... You know all these things that we all had Walkmans back in the day. Mm. These things that just became, you know, someone else's feature. Destroy. So you know, if Buy Now Pay later becomes a feature rather than a product, mm. that I reckon if I, if I'm if I'm and I'm not saying it's going to happen necessarily, and it might not, and they might not, and after I may still see it off, but I'd be much much more worried about that than potential competition from Apple and and PayPal personally.
2: Yeah, and that it goes to the the point I was sort of making before it's, it's it's not a question of saying this is definitely going to happen. It's not that, but you you do have to look at things on a balance of probability basis. And yep, all I'm yep. saying is, when you had shares at 140, dollars it assumed that there was as, almost a zero chance of anything like that
1: happening. <laughs> that's right, exactly. So pe-
2: people that's, people yes, love to think in black and white and say, you know, you're saying, well, there's a huge brand power there, and millennials love it, and that's all true. So I'm, yep. I'm I think it's silly to be as as like super super convinced yep. that it's going to go in any particular direction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you have to, you have to, I think, as a rational human being, acknowledge that as a possibility, a non-zero yes, yes. possibility, far from a non-zero possibility. And if it happens, everything is, you know, it throws everything out. out. Um, so you've gotta you got to be aware of that. And in terms and just at the other point you made too, I think you're right. I think brand loyalty is something that is that is very powerful and very mm, mm, slippery mm. to sort of to to <laughs> model. Yeah. But what what I would say is is that they after growth has been a, a, a result of just entering a market and then dominating it. Now yep. they've still yes. got lots of markets they're yet to enter into where they don't have that mm-hmm. loyalty and they don't have that fan base. True. And so that so these new products from global companies that are in literally every geography and market around the world. Yeah. So they might maybe maybe PayPal doesn't disrupt it in Australia where there's just a very strong fan base. But mm-hmm. but maybe it does in parts of Europe where they don't have a strong foothold yet. So anyway, again, I I I I know that a lot of people love it. I know that a lot of people yep. have done extremely well out of it i congratulate you um uh but i just i would just urge put a pin in this just just be mindful that things would everything has to go perfectly well at this point for you to get a, an attractive return i
1: will resist the urge to add well, i'll move on mate um, <laughs> let's let's so uh, speaking of that <clears throat> and speaking of speaking of disruption there's a whole lot of i kind of there's this one big topic i'm gonna try and i'm gonna try and pass out a little bit to try and try and get it right um the, the buy now, pay later space is fascinating. It's growing fast. It is super, super, super saturated with potential would-be competitors from here and overseas. I want to say there's at least six or eight players on the ASX alone. There's more being listed uh, or wanting to be listed. There's plenty of overseas players. This is a really, really, you know, really super concentrated area. Everyone wants their wants their two-bob. And so this is the story of, as you say, after they invented a category, which I think is just... Phenomenal. Whether or not this the share price goes up or down from this particular point is not really. Well, it doesn't matter to me because I don't own the shares. But what I, what I what I don't want to lose for, for everyone's sake is the amazing uh, uh, phenomenon that after I have literally in the face of Visa, Mastercard, Amex, PayPal, Apple Wallet, Google Pay, Cash mm-hmm. have literally invented a payment you know style process concept. Global, And mm. and that is, you know, maybe they don't win, but it's a remarkable Australian success story. So there's that. Yes. Um, and plenty of other businesses are following fast to try and get part of this business. Mm-hmm. And some of those businesses like PayPal, are, as I said, the innovator disruptor turned fast follower, trying to make sure they don't get cut out of the whole process, which is what they're, I mean, you know, part of them I'm sure want to grow for this. The other part of saying, guys, we've got to do something because if, if this takes off and we're not there, Mm. Man, who's going to remember PayPal in 10 years' time? We will literally mm. be swamped by the wallets from the the, the phone makers, plus after, buy now, pay later, plus credit cards. Where's PayPal sit, right? So they've mm. got to get in this game. So you've got this combination of, of fast following and, and innovation. And I guess uh, – I'll turn, I'll turn this in a couple of ways. The first I want to talk about is Aldi, who are not a listed company and not the world's most exciting category, groceries – but they have effectively, from being the innovator and leader and disruptor, they were the first to do this small format, own brand, cheap price, special deals. I mean, they've got some serious customer love, right, among a among mm. small portion of us who, who shop there regularly. They, they were the innovator. They were the disruptor. They made Woolies and Coles, reassess their private label strategies, their pricing, their, competi- their, com- their competitive kind of positioning in the market. Um, mm. And yet, fast forward to 2021, Aldi are opening – versions of Cole's local, I think they call it Woolies Metro, these mm. super small format kind of C B D and transit location stores. Aldi Corner Store is the new kind of fast follow here. And mm. and Gary Mortar, who's a professor of retail at I think one of the Queensland unis, was quoted in the paper saying this is the first time he's seen them become a follower mm. rather than a leader. They've almost kind of flown the flow put the flag up the flypole and gone, well if we're going to grow here, the future is local, the future is small, the future is metro style stores in those transit hubs or and this is all about, you know, grab something to take home or grab a bit of milk on the way home or, mm. you know, small range, the, the the shop in between the major shops, right? I need a couple mm. of things. I'll get it on the at the transaction on the way home or I'll get it um you know in, in the C B D store on the way to the office. Those those are the new those are the new stores and I, I guess to some degree this is Aldi almost doing the doing a PayPal or PayPal's doing an Aldi in trying to be that fast follower. Mm. I'm not sure I'm not sure I have a, a strong view on this one, mate, but I, I'm curious as to your general thoughts. If you want to talk about Aldi and, and Woolies and Coles, feel free. But as an investor, the 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 value or otherwise, the watch outs or the opportunities that come with innovation disruption versus fast follow, do you have a, a thought about how you invest or how our listeners might invest or just simply what's good, bad, and indifferent about that style of strategy? I think it's important to, to
2: for all of us and for companies you know to put ego aside i think if there's if, if there's a genuinely good idea then you should do it. whether you're the innovator of that idea or whether mm-hmm. you're copying someone else's good idea if it makes sense and it plays to your strengths, then then you should do it. Aldi hasn't had to do it before because they they have invented their own right, category. Right, right. They've prosecuted it extremely well. That's it's fantastic, and 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 they've, you know, they've they've caused a bunch of disruption in, in that industry. Mm-hmm. But this this corner store model is something that seems to be working well for the others, and it's it, it's just hubris at a point to sort of say, well, we're not going to do it because yeah. that's not what we do. And I was like, yeah, but if it's a good idea, then you should you should definitely do it. it can leverage your scale. It can leverage your mm-hmm, your yeah. warehousing and logistics and, and i'm sure that they can do it in a way which is actually differentiated enough so yeah it's, it's ostensibly it's the same kind of concept as woolies but yeah. it, I, i'm sure an aldi corner store is much different to a woolies metro
1: in terms of the range and uh the types of products etc etc so you're right yeah. to some degree but uh let me, let me just throw the, the spanner of the works here woolies decided that bunnings was a really good thing and so it would do its own version of masters yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. completely hashed it bunnings itself Said, hey, this works in Australia. Let's do it in the UK. We're mad not to, and hashed it. I, I I guess I'm just curious as to you're right that it make it makes no sense to be arrogant or ego driven and say I'm not going to do it because it's not us they would at first. Well, they can get stuffed. Mm. I'm also Mm. wondering on the reverse though of Mm. you know the fast follow makes sense. It just makes this logical sense. Like, well, of course you would. If there's a if there's a market there, of course you would go and play in that space. Mm. I, I I wonder though, you know, when time will tell. I don't really have a strong view here, but. I wonder if Ali does have the credibility and the position to actually play in that space. Yes, there's a category there. Yes, there's a market there. Mm. Um, but just other companies have tried brand extensions or, or pivots yeah. or whatevers, sometimes spectacularly successful, right? And if PayPal makes a goal of this, you know, um, buy now, pay later and, and are successful, we go, well, of course they should have tried it on the other hand there's plenty of businesses that have said well you know should Woolies have tried Masters I actually by the way would say yes they should have yeah, tried I'm like, not, totally. I think they're yeah. right for doing it but yeah. where, where where, or how do you as an investor if you look at a Masters or an Aldi or a, a something else in that space when do you kind of say guys like you, you're trying too hard here stick to your knitting versus yeah you should go and invest in that stuff and, and be part of that growth well, story is there, is there a way to do that well look you, you can only sort of
2: put forward uh, the best case that you can and the argument for it, and try mm-hmm. and l- try and weigh that up on its merits. and And if it makes sense objectively, then then you should do it. Woolies going in- into to hardware was actually a great idea. I yeah. know that's a whole. I'm sure business schools will be studying that for, for decades <laughs> to come yeah, because should be well. that should, have for every reason under the sun, should right. have that should have <laughs> exactly, worked exactly. Uh, and let's not yeah, go down yeah. the rabbit hole as as to why it didn't. But I yeah. think I think it, I. Don't even people are too harsh. Everything is 2020 when you look in, mm-hmm. in hindsight. But I think even though it didn't work, they were right to try. The mm. real mistake is when you bury your head in the sand, ignore mm-hmm. the facts, and just keep ploughing ahead and wasting more money. Yeah, uh, good money after bad. Mm-hmm. So I think where you know there's other examples. I own some shares in Catapult, a sports tech company, and they 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 do. Um, analytics for elite sporting teams the little devices you see the players wear in the back of their their, their jerseys yep. um, and they they decided to go into prosumer sort of like that upper end like the, the, the weekend warrior who takes their sport really seriously and it makes mm-hmm. perfect sense right mm-hmm. but it was a failure it was a stinking failure we wasted a bunch of capital <laughs> and their mistake was to stick at it for far longer than they should have. So yeah. it, I don't blame companies uh, too much. I wouldn't blame Aldi at all for trying this. Where I think the is long again because I feel as though it's it's a reasonable enough uh, uh, case to be made for it. Where mm. where they deserve criticism is when it's objectively not working, <laughs> and you're just not. Nah, yeah. We are we are yeah. pot committed. We're doubling down. We're just going <laughs> to you throwing good money. That's that is the mistake. So I think people, people where where the best mm. companies. Mm. Um, Every company will make mistakes. Every single, company, either Amazon, Apple, all kinds of uh, great, wonderful companies will make mistakes. But when when you when you realise it's not working, I think that's when you pull up stumps and say, "Well, it was worth a try. Let's 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 move on."
1: That's mm-hmm. and if you don't, that's where you deserve criticism. I like it. I like it, Mate, um, Let's finish off with just a, a quick tour into mergers and acquisitions land because mm. this kind of covers a whole lot of 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 territory and. I uh, again I'm not, I'm not I spend a lot of time saying I don't do forecast but I do predictions but and this is absolutely not a prediction or a forecast <laughs> but. but there have been a l- well yeah there, there have been a lot of there's been a lot of takeover activity in the last couple of weeks I, I, again I've been away for, i probably haven't seen it all but here's a roll call right API is being mm. bid for by West Farmers <clears throat> Sydney Airport had a 22 billion dollar bid that they only rejected this morning again we're recording Thursday the 15th so who knows what happens next Spark Infrastructure $5 billion takeover potential. Ufoods is being acquired by HelloFresh. Altium got a bid from one of the big um, US uh, software design or, or automated design businesses. Blackmore's apparently, I own shares in Blackmore's during the week has been looking for basically an investment bank to put on retainer just in case they get a takeover offer. And... <laughs> I don't know how much that is deliberate leak to get the share price up or not. You can, you can make your own judgment. I'm going to assume not for mm. the purpose of not getting uh, sued. Um, but, but either way, maybe there's activity, maybe there's not. The share price jumped yesterday on the news, so maybe the market mm. liked, the, liked, the, liked, the, liked the idea. Mm. I have been around long enough, you've been around long enough, to know that, generally speaking, big surges in mergers and acquisitions activity tell you something about where the market is, about what the animal spirits are doing and thinking. And there's a, there's a, there's a marked increase in M&A, towards mm. the end of most bull markets where people get a bit carried away or cash gets a bit cheap or uh, you know futures get a bit bright or people stop thinking about what might go wrong now mm. weird to say that in the middle of covid but i don't know is it is it is it too coincidental is it all happening at the same time it feels like there's just we we've we've ticked another minute closer to to some version of market top, market midnight, market something. Mm. Um, it just feels like things have changed.
2: Yeah, there's, it's an interesting signal, isn't it? And the, another one is is the level of IPOs, initial public offerings yes, as that's well. So yep, at the yep. end, end of the market, a lot of people sort of rush to to, to list their company on the market yes. and, and potentially cash out a little bit. So uh, yeah, I, 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 I note um, that trend that you've seen. Mm-hmm. I, there, I wanna f- say there was probably a, even a year or so ago, there was another, sort of spate of of this kind of stuff so it, it can mm-hmm. there's plenty of false positives on this as well so i would never i think where where people go wrong is they sort of look for look for a reason for the next correction and sell all the way out and we've talked mm-hmm. before how that really tends to harm you longer term so i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't it doesn't prompt me to do anything particularly different, but yes, yep. I, I totally hear what you're saying. It, it is it is it is something that makes you think that we are closer to the end than, than the beginning.
1: And I'm going to say, so it doesn't prompt me to do anything in particular, but what it does prompt me to remember, and what I'd like our listeners to remember, is that we know the longer bull markets go on, the more they become intoxicating. And we know that, you know, Warren Buffett says we pay a high price for a cheery consensus. We mm. know that the the ultimate the ultimate signal of a market top is when there's no bears left mm. when everyone's finally given up and joined the party that's when you know the party's getting close to an end right and there is something I'm not I'm not saying do anything differently from now what I'm saying is be mm. be be careful not to start doing things differently it's, it's almost mm. the reverse right is don't start to give in to well everyone else is doing it or mm. hey the share's are going up so I need to buy them or start to start to get a bit carried away with the share price going up you know it's almost they're getting ahead they're going ahead. without you excuse me they're they're taking off i bet i better join that particular party right i'm gonna throw throw caution to the wind i'm gonna assume this time it's different all those things that we're tempted to do when the market gets carried away that's exactly the time to not do anything differently but specifically to do everything the same to maintain that discipline just to make sure you're not tempted to get dragged into i don't know what to call it mania euphoria um we know during the dot-com boom it happened we know in 2007 it happened Trust me, it will happen again. It always does, mm, mm. and so maybe the message here is not do something different. Just be careful not to do something different because things get carried away. And this should be a reminder, as you say, mate. IPOs and and mergers tend to be those times when euphoria tends to take off a little bit. Everyone can make a good case for why I should buy this company, whether it's us as shareholders or other businesses who are who are buying companies. Because hey, of course, it makes sense. Yeah, it's a great idea. Let, let's do that. Um, that's the thing I think we should be a little bit a little bit wary of. Uh, I know this is not sort of a, 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 a parallel
2: point or an aside, but just in regards to takeovers, I'm mm-hmm. always mindful. There was a study done; it was probably ten years ago now, um, or even longer. But but a bunch of academics looked at takeovers over a long period of time, yeah. and what the what the end result was was that roughly a third of takeovers. Um, Create value for shareholders. Mm-hmm. Around about a third of it doesn't really move the dial either way, mm-hmm. and around about a third of it destroys shareholder value. Mm-hmm. So I would say, as a an investor in a company that has made a big acquisition, and mm-hmm. it, it is always touted as, "Look at this, we're going to get all of these synergies out of it. It's going to help." Exp- mm-hmm. And you know, and and it's it's hard not to get carried away. Um, but I would just, I would also just say on that point as well don't always look at them as these these uh, instant ticket to increase shareholder returns because <laughs> yeah, statistically it's yeah, only 1 yeah. in 3 times that they will actually benefit you and oh, and it's that not a benefit take right it's a hard bet you know so it's like yeah. it, it, so even if it sort of leaves you at, at par that's not a great mm. thing either so mm. it's sort of mm. bear that in mind because when you bring two anyone who's run a business knows this. when you bring two cultures together that is very difficult right um uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the rationale for these things are predicated on. Well, we've got all these. Over, we don't need two sales teams. Mm-hmm. We don't need two development right, teams. Right, right. We don't need so we can just we can CFOs. yeah exactly yeah like we that. double yeah, our yeah. customers, but then we, we we can sort of halve our costs. And oh look how wonderful it is! It just it just <laughs> doesn't always work out. So and yeah. and even when it does, it can often take years for those those transactions to be bedded down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just just another another angle on
1: that to, to be mindful of. Great point. I love it. Mate, will you come back on Sunday for a mailbag? Always. Love it. Beautiful. Let's do that. So until then, that wraps us up. We are finished. But before we go, make sure you do subscribe to the Motley Fool Money podcast. Do it through iTunes, your favorite Android podcast app, or the listener app. We can find a whole lot of other good stuff from Southern Cross Audio, our broadcast partners. If you like what we're doing, please do give us a rating on... Uh, on on iTunes in particular, who host ratings better? Probably better than anybody else. Um, or do it through any platform you're using. Give us some stars. Give us some reviews. Give us some ratings. We'd really very much appreciate it. There were some funny ones during the week, which I which I won't share now. But um, we're pretty amusing. One one, one reviewer, thank you. Uh, called me Steve, uh, which either makes me anonymous or uh, unforgettable. Unforge- I'm not sure which. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with anonymous. Um, I appreciate that. But thank you for, thank you for all of you for the for the kind words you're adding. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, of course, if you do want a dose of foolishness straight to your inbox. Go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. We'll see you Sunday with a special mailbag
0: episode of Foolish Insight. Until then, Fool on. See you then.